This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. traffic situation is looking like as you make your commute before we get our esteemed guest online yeah you got traffic everywhere everywhere you've got traffic that's your traffic update for you everywhere all right all right so let's get the results of our morning poll and uh of course let me see if i have any more votes i got a couple more votes here rich rich central animal lover says good morning um Hell no to the poll. Meb says no to the poll. All right. Thank you so much, Central Animal Lover and Meb. Let's get the results there, Richie Rich. What do you got? Well, I have uh, 22 people voting on the poll this morning. Mm-hmm. And of the 22, 17 said yes and 5 said no. So mm. 22 people voted on the poll in the allotted time. 17 said yes, 5 said no. And of course, just in case you didn't know what the poll was, it was, do you agree that it's Trinan's Bago's darkest days? Uh, 22 people voted, 17 said yes, 5 said no. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day through our programming. And we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning. All right, and let's bring in our guest this morning. Uh, Commander Garvin Hira, good morning to you. How are you? I'm hi, morning, Steve, and morning to the team in the studio and to those who are streaming online and, and listening and watching radio this morning. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Uh, what says you in our morning pool? Um, I don't think so. I don't think we're in our darkest days. Um, my, my optimism and, and um, my approach uh, as a former law enforcement um, professional um, knows that we can come out of this, um, you know, and I, I continue to, to have faith in, in our services and to have faith in our people. So it's a, it's a tough time, but it's not our darkest days. And, and, and some people may say, okay, if this is not our darkest days, are you going to say it's, there, are worst days, there are worst days to come? And there's a possibility when you look at what is happening globally. You know, we never expected that to happen to Trinidad and Tobago. could could be a thought. So, you know, we have to be... Um, cautious and how we make those statements and judgments. I, I think at this point, um, I don't think it's our darkest days. And I think if we don't fix it, then things it could get worse. 
So we have to be very careful on how we approach, um, you know, our, our solution-based incentives. Morning, Gavin. I think based on having lived through 1990, I think that was our darkest days. Yeah. So just as a, just as a comparison. Thanks for joining us this morning. Correct. Uh, we, of course, we're talking crime and national security and, and safety. And we have seen another weekend where, depending on what newspaper you, you read, 14, 11, one even put as many as 17 dead in one weekend. We're at 494. We are certainly going to surpass the 500 mark, um, unfortunately, given the rate possibly by the weekend. Uh, we spoke to the Minister of National Security yesterday and the Commissioner of Police, who both said they're working, as, as they would say, um, no, no doubt about it, assiduously to curtail the crime situation. Is the approach in your opinion, as a national crime strategist, a security strategist, is the approach one that you think is on the path to success? Um, because, you know, when you look at what is taking place, both on the side of the, how crime is being committed, the heinous crime, the situations, and that sort of what, what is known as panic that, that is encouraged sometimes by um, sensationalism and social media, and then, of course, being aware or exposed to um, certain types of um, what we'll call approaches, as you used, um, from the police service. I think along those lines, um, it is gaming and aging, uh, what, what gauging, sorry, um, towards a successful sort of um, resolution to, to, to this whole situation. What I would strongly suggest, as I did before, is that we are aware what the police are doing to some extent. Some of it um, is not being exposed there in the, in the public domain. But maybe it is a time where we could um, frame our approaches based on our measurements along short, medium and long term um, sort of approaches. So we know there are some things that has to be implemented and those are medium and long term, but short term, you know, bringing certain things to, to, to some sort of control. So I would think um, along the lines of, of, of the commissioner being correct and the ministers, to, we are doing some stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening and, and maybe we'll talk about some of those um, this morning. But I'm also advising um, to our strategists out there, national security, those are meeting on the table that define those 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 approaches in short, medium, and long term, so that the citizens can be brought into some comfort, some semblance of safety and security. The the Minister of National Security and the Commissioner of Police both spoke to, and we discussed it in in detail this morning, the issue of our legal ports in this country which have been a long-standing concern where the passage of illegal weapons and drugs in some instances uh, is concerned. Why is it so difficult to stymie the flow of illegal weapons through our legal ports? We do have that many legal ports, major ports that is, but we have a problem with seemingly stymieing it. We have customs, we have police, we have port security, we have the Ministry of Finance, but we have not seen a reduction in the amount of, in, in, given what the Minister of National Security and the Commissioner of Police have both said, in the illegal guns passing through those ports. Yeah. So, um, we used to always say, you know, about the guns coming in late at night, 
under the shadow of darkness um, being brought a, brought to show in crates and that type of stuff. And now there's a different viewpoint being um, surfaced as to, wait a minute, a lot of these weapons are actually coming through our legal ports, just as you articulated, um, Pablo. Um, we have to recognize that it is not so much the scanners and the electronic equipment um, to look at containers um, to see if anything is in those containers or the barrels. Yes, that is somewhere downrange in the whole process. We have to also recognize that those containers and those barrels, boxes or whatever, those um, concealments um, are coming through our legal ports because of a fabricated network is some a, a well i heard it before i saw it in a headline a weld oiled machine and and you would hear me speak on this on many occasions we have had very good conversations um paul and, and team along the lines of how far the tentacles of transnational organized crime can stretch to make an illegal operation appear legal and legitimate untouched Un, 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 undetected, for want of a better term. So in tandem to our enforcement and interdiction and, and, and searches of warehouses uh, et al., we also have to have a, a, a robust approach to deal with the transnational organized crime, the players who are playing at that level. And that involves that involves an, a multi faceted approach and inclusive of our international partners and i must applaud the police service this morning because we we are now seeing where they are working closer with our international counterparts information and intelligence sharing operational planning and sharing and and, and we have the evidence to show where there are now some some large seizures large um searches and and of course different types of, of results uh, are being surfaced. And, and so they need to work on and improve on that uh, relationship with our international country. Can, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, sure. With the greatest of respect, we heard that with, with Mr. Manning and Mr. Big. We heard that with, with Mrs. Pasabi Sessa, and we're hearing it now. But the legal gun still coming in. Correct. So we're working closely with international counterparts. We have a stronger network of surveillance. We're doing this, we're doing that. But guess what? The illegal guns are still coming. Why should the public believe this is going to be any different? And I'm asking that with the greatest of respect. Yeah. Um, you see, what is happening is that just like narco trafficking, just like human trafficking, SALW, small arms and light weapons, is also um, a medium of in international illegal trade. And that's a business. And because it's a business, you have to approach your tactics, you have to approach your tools, you have to approach your investigations with that sort of tradecraft and yes the, the guns are still coming but um we must um recognize that you know we we are seeing where um we are being able to track warehouses now that wasn't before we were finding we were finding guns on the streets we are actually finding guns stored but we are we are still at, at a point where hey but this still broke breached our system it still came through a container and landed in a warehouse a warehouse storage is, is like down range so we have to backtrack on where we are missing it and 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 and, and, and I, I hear you as a matter of fact I, I agree with you guns are still coming we hear about the international counterparts we hear about working differently but we're still seeing guns in the streets we're still seeing guns in warehouses so we need to know how do we stop that how, how do we plug that how do, how do we clog that artery and, and and bringing people through the courts of law because it's important to seize yes but we, uh, it is very, it is, it is parallel um, in its importance to see people actually brought through the court of law on these matters, and, and I think that is where we need to be focused. I mean, you I know, see. I, I mean, our planners. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about transnational crime, and sometimes, I mean, we have discussed this issue for years on the Power Breakfast Show, 
And the issue of crime, of course, has been a feature of the Trinidad and Tobago landscape for, you know, a while now, so that people are almost desensitized to it. Um, um, and your level of horror seems to grow. You think nothing can dip lower, and then something dips lower, and you're like, wow. Um, but this this issue of transnational crime, are we serious as a country in really tackling it? I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the infrastructure, but obviously there's complicity with the national security infrastructure by some rogue players there that is allowing transnational crime to flourish. Yeah, one, one would wonder um, how powerful are the players in this transnational organized crime corridor? Because um, we, experts, people who are aware of, of, of how, what, I, what I'll call how, how, how destructive such, a, such, such such operations can be against a society, against its socioeconomic structure, um, are aware of it, but others aren't. And, and I think more priority needs to be paid towards transnational organized crime and where it is involved. Because what they do, what the planners and the strategists do in that space is that they provide and position people into key areas to ensure free flow to ensure facilitation and that is where you would have heard me speak in different forums about the sophistication of crime in today's society and and the commissioner is aware of that and, and as i said um being exposed to some of the things that that he's doing um you can you can tell that you know we have to shift the narrative you can tell that he is he is enforcing that you know we have to start looking at it differently what we have to recognize is that him and his team being able to communicate that downwards into the operational arms of the police service and to deal with some of the issues because one of the key things with transnational organized crime and its players is the infiltration of law enforcement, infiltration of your immigration system, your defense force system, your, your intelligence system, your, your police law enforcement system. And that infiltration provides, as I said, facilitation for the crime to be committed. And it appears on the screen as legit. So, I'm, so I'm glad you mentioned that network because no transnational drug or gun running operation can be as successful in any jurisdiction as we, it seems to be in Trinidad and Tobago without the complicity of senior customs officials. Yes, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> you you said it. <laughs> yes. I ain't call no name, but senior customs official, because you have to be endemic in the system to be able to pull them kind of strings. Can't be no junior person. Four decades. And it seems that these people are insulated at some level. Mm -hmm. We, we, as you said, we're aware that you are a, a, a lecturer and a professional in strategic planning. Gang chat. Export from point A, systems they are breached. Coming to point B, Trinidad and Tobago, there's a process involved step-by-step step, in getting a container off a ship, a, uh, what you call it, the, 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 the record of what's on the ship, the number of containers, who they're attached to, who, who signed for them, who, who, who's the, the importer, who is the broker, who is involved in at the senior level in customs in authorizing clearances, the system used for search and also eventual clearance payment to the Ministry of Finance and out into the streets to deliver goods and services and illegal guns, quite frankly, to whoever has them here. There's a process involved there. 
you're not telling me that with all the assets the Ministry of National Security has, with all the assets, customs and excise in the Ministry of um, Finance has the National Security and the police service, that after all these years, decades, have we heard of one person being identified, charged and convicted for being involved in breaching that system, for yeah. being complicit? One person. And, and that is, a, and I'm thankful for, for for the way you articulated that, um, Paul, because you 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 identify the plumbing system and you identified where there are, you know, stop stop. There should be stop checks. There should be some sort of ability to to monitor that and to detect. Um, you must also um, recall that there was a time when um, there was a, a territorial a territorialism as to our our systems, be it agencies that are involved with the import-export trade. People wanted to control their perimeter as to their movement of documentation and, and that what, what is known as systems integration, that, that technological ability to access and to, to find information inside of there. So that is why it will take a different sort of approach in the investigations. And, 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 and I raised it earlier again, transnational organized crime and its sophistication involves that type of investigation, both covert and avert. Surveillance, to surveiller um, out of French means to watch over to, to have that ability to be able to, to, to look into um, both covertly and overtly in its detection. So as I said, we are seeing some operationalization in order to bring people before the courts of law regarding seizures. What we need to see, as I said now, is that is, is, is increasing, escalating our operationalization along the lines of, of cyberspace systems, looking into the, into the documentation, start to finish, cradle to grave, as we used to say in the old days, because these things also have what I call legitimate fronts that you can look at with regarding documentations and rerouting of, of, of movement, um, fast-tracking um, of, of documentation that is not seen in order to have things go across. Stamps are received, signatures are on, the, on those forms, but you don't see it in the front line. Those are things that happen in the background. So that is part of the sophistication where we can present documentation and you can have access to that. But behind the scenes, there is a, a deviation and a rerouting of documentation that is affording certain legitimate operations. That is how sophisticated this thing is, you know and and it's big money and it's big players so therefore uh, my 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 advice is um applaudably to the police service we know that you're doing some good stuff and you're working and um, with, with your people and you're trying to address this issue but understand that the tradecraft needs to change a little bit to deal with the unseen along the lines of tracking from the aspect of in that space of cyber and to documentation and a, a different type of approach for for for, for, for the investigations um so, so having, having said all of that, it is very important to, to know that we have to ad adopt an approach of crime reduction. And right now, um, we whatever we do, all ministries, because Customs is Ministry of Finance, we are still talking national security. We have to see how are we implementing strategies towards crime reduction. And the main thing here is the the importation of illegal arms and, and, and weapons. And, and I want to speak about the, the firearms interdiction unit and my advice to that, but we can we can use that as, a, as another point coming forward. You know, it, it, it gets you a little depressed because you're, you're itemizing a lot of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and how broad and expansive and sophisticated it is. And you're like, are we capable of dealing with this? Are we... Is there the political will? 
um, um, to deal with all of these issues and the disruption that surely must occur um, in terms of disrupting transnational crime in Trinidad and Tobago, basically telling them go elsewhere, not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how easy is that to achieve, or how difficult is that to achieve? It seems pretty difficult from the level of sophistication and how embedded it is in terms of what you just articulated. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I'm not too sure what happens behind closed doors in, in the in the swivel seats, but I, I know that the, there is a political will because, as a matter of fact, Trinidad and Tobago is is crying out for some sort of action. Uh, I know the the the, um, the the police service, for instance, would like a, another chance at this um, bail amendment bill to to work with that because a lot of the issues are repeat offenders, uh, recidivism has also shown itself with 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 you know those on the ground. Um, we, we we saw what took place with our neighbor in Jamaica and they made some they put their foot down and started making um some some very strong um stringent sort of approaches to deal with penalties and and I know it's being looked yeah, but, at but 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 those kinds of penalties if I may interrupt you um Gavin the issue of the bail amendment bill etc cetera, etc cetera, is really dealing with the smaller players it's not really dealing with the transnational players which is where the genesis of the problem originates no, you're quite correct, but there has to be a holistic approach that deals with all levels. Because yes, you see, if we if we deal just focus on the head or whatever, there, there needs to be an approach and a focus there. We agree with that, but there, there has to have the trickle down effect where there are certain implementations rolling out at all levels. And 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 I raise those points to show you that from a political will, it is necessary to address what needs to be done. I'm I'm hoping that there is some sort of communication taking place at the heads of security, maybe National Security Council with the commissioner, and he's advocating his cause as the need to do these things because um he needs the support politically, but he also needs the support interministerially in order to drive on the agenda and and that takes a sort of um governmental approach to reducing crime because we are not looking good internationally a small country like us being able to put our finger our, our thumbs on, on, on the button and realize hey this is where it is we can bring this under control it's about time we bring it under control are we bringing this under control or is it beyond um, us bringing it under control just as you just as you um alluded to richard because we, we have a society, we have people, as I speak here, and I don't want to cause panic, but we have people here in this country. I had a, a, a conversation recently um, with a former academic, and, and, and he said, he said, Gavin, I try, I get my kids out. I'm sending my children out because I don't know if there's a future here in Trinidad or Tobago. I can't send them out to socialize anymore. Um, my son I went out to a, a function last night, and, and I'm up until he returns, and, and he's talking to me throughout because you are so on edge, and society has been brought to an on-edge state. And, and we're not talking about some of the crises that we saw yesterday with the flooding and all of that. We're talking crime and criminality and security. A, a, a secured nation stabilizes itself for future growth and development. And if it is that we are not secured, we are not stabilized. And, and that, is a, that is something that needs to be on the tipping point. Uh, I must say on the tip of our lips and on the tipping point and the think pattern of our decision makers. So from a political standpoint, I think more attention needs to be given one and two the, the, the our, our country needs to hear more we need to hear more it's not just press conferences guys it's not just we're working together they need to hear by visibility we are visually stimulated so we need to hear by seeing basically that's but, what's but, what but to richard's point gavin and i don't discount i guess the the, the attorney general has said he's going to bring back the bail amendment but in a different form that may be more palatable to the parliament as a whole it possibly being a tool if presented in the right way to deal with the persons who are on the ground. But I have said over and over, given our murder rate and the 
utterances of the Commissioner of Police that so many of those murders are gang-related and reprisal killings. They are being replaced at the rate of 300, 350 every year. What is not happening, as you said, at the different levels, while the ground level is being, is, is the one on the front page of the papers because of the obvious mayhem they're creating and havoc in society on a daily basis. We're not seeing a commensurate uh, attention being paid or, or, or result where the middleman and the senior officials are being, or the senior business officials uh, are concerned. We're not seeing that. And the ones in the ground are replaceable. Those are the ones who are driving it. Those are the ones who, according to the former AG, follow the money, follow the money, are packing away. They're not doing it for free. They're not putting themselves at risk by compromising the system for free. They're not being caught. They're not being identified. They're not being charged. So why should the public feel have any confidence? And, I, and I'm really loath to ask this question because I don't want to diminish the confidence in the public and the police or law enforcement in any way. That is not my intention. But if you don't see that happening, why do, why should the public think that the the, the, the the points of focus are where they should be? In addition to the low-level operatives on the ground, the street boys, as they call them, the middle players in key positions having infiltrated or worked in customs and excise for years and allowing the, the, the crap to pass, or senior business officials in the country who are really the masterminds behind this connected to the outside players. We don't see those levels being tackled at all or brought to justice. Yeah, and, and I, have to, I have to accept what you're saying, and that is true. And because of how this thing is structured, it is directed, dictated, and detailed in such a way that those at the lower level are the ones that are going to have to pay the consequences. We are going to roll over, turn the page, and continue. There's a recruitment, for instance, at this level of transnational organized crime, that removal and replacement. How, so, how is that solving the problem in the long run? Because the major players who are the, the, the drivers of this are not being identified, or if they are, they seem untouchable. Yeah, for real. And, and we are dealing with untouchables, and, and you're correct, those who have linkages internationally and linkages here politically and regionally. So they have created hedges um, of protection that is almost impenetrable in order to bring certain people to the to, um, towards the court of law. And, and those are some of the challenges that the commissioner is aware of and is working towards because that is his linkage now, as, as just to use back that word, and working with the international counterparts so that, therefore, um, the, the, probably someone might be brought to, towards the court of law here in Trinidad, but outside um, because of the science of policing. You, you've heard him speak about um, maximizing the whole ballistic testing and, and that type of stuff. Those, those things are long-range type of planning but it is showing that wait a minute we are now seeing a, a sort of application of international best practices i know at one time we were actually talking about what about the defense force why would we call out the defense forces for, for instance to, to try and bring this under control maybe that that is something that could be considered but we have to be aware also that um the defense force is already out there working with the police service and um they uh, they, they it's visible they, it's seen and they themselves the defense force are under um, strangulation i'm using a strong term because of their manpower and their resources and stretch they're they're, they're stretched but high-risk areas in this country and um, the, the defense force and the police service are applying joint operations and tactical sort of um uh, tactics and approaches in high-risk areas that is taking place so you know we we have 
the 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 operations taking place guys at that level at, at the tech at the at the ground level what we need to see is that we flip this thing and the same type of investigative penetrations that is needed be shown now in the upper the medium and upper levels so that those people too um can be targeted that that that's that's where i'm that's where i'm going with the conversation you know i i read an article in the one of the regional newspapers recently that spoke to why there's an upsurge in gun running and drug running through the Caribbean, which has been a soft target for decades. Uh, since the US has clamped down on the US-Mexico border and 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 their situation, they, they've intensified their efforts. So the, the international drug and gun runners have turned their, their attention to softer targets as they described, like Trinidad and Tobago, which is ideally posed off the South American mainland and other islands in the Caribbean up the chain. And because it seems, the article put, that these states, small developing states, are incapable of dealing with the intricacy and the sophistication of international drug runners. Uh, because they know that it's easy to corrupt the systems in those states. They know that it's easy to pay somebody $3 million, which is nothing, you understand, to compromise the system. And because of the unwillingness in some of the jurisdictions, in dealing with the big players. What do you think about that? And they no, said uh, that is one of the major problems in, in areas like Trinidad and Tobago, jurisdictions like Trinidad and Tobago, because of how easy the system is to pollute. Porous, 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 porous borders, but porous systems. You see, what has happened, and, and we have to understand the that 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 holds the sensitivity for instance of of globalization and international trade don't think in illegal trade now international trade creates a market directs a certain a marketing pitch of a product and therefore there are people who become interested and buyers to that product this was the same strategy that have been used now where before where a guy would come into a mini mart um team a mini mart or chinese grocery and rub them with a pistol a revolver emerged towards a nine millimeter, semi-automatic nine millimeter. Then we saw tech nines and, and you know, those type of automatic weapons. And, and for some reason, the ideology and the belief was transported into the minds of the criminal to think that you need an AR-15 to rub a minimat, or you need an AR-15 to drive by a wake or, or, or some people playing in a savannah in a basketball court and open fire because that was the idea that was sold and bought into. So people now are looking for that product. And somebody somewhere is directing the flow of that product because we have provided a market, we have provided an interest, we have bought into a marketing plan, and they have actually decided we are shifting from the normal run-of-the-mill product and we're going towards the heavy, um, almost military-style um, weaponry. This is a cause um, for control because it's safe for, for concern. Sorry, because the same way as it's been used in robberies and, and in drive-by shootings, it can it is also being used as as firefight against the police service. So the whole entire police service and my conversations with some police officers have shifted now to be in a preparate, preparatory mode, preparing themselves outside there in civil streets for the engagement of high-powered weapons. So so. Nobody recognized that we have actually brought in, brought our country into a state of, you know, we open up with darkness, but a state of, wait a minute, we have high-powered weapons outside there on the streets, and you could, you could be a victim. 
You could be an innocent victim of a firefight between a robbery or, or security officers or police and and and, and criminal. And and that is that is where society is on edge and where we it, it's difficult. And that's why people are, are shifting, sending their, their people out because they don't know what the future holds. And, and we have to see some solutions that are going to give us back a future. Uh, well, you're going to take some calls because sometimes our callers, well, very often our callers have questions that we may not be thinking of. Sure. We can open the phone lines. Uh, the, the kinds of bodies we're seeing discovered, uh, we asked this of the Minister of National Security and the Commissioner of Police, and they both responded to the affirmative that there are obviously transnational agents operating in Trinidad. The Minister of National Security said or maybe it's the police commissioner that they have, I think it's the police commissioner, they've identified Venezuelan gang lords, well, gang members here, not, let me not say lords, and have arrested them. How concerned are you that what you're seeing now is an escalation of what the situation had been now? Well, I'm not going to open that question, but I told you so. But I'm going to open that question, recognizing the fact that when we, when I was speaking a couple of years back on the mass migration, and I spoke about the skill sets that were coming over, and we talked about advancing the blue color um, uh, agenda with you know carpenters and electricians and nail techs and and and, and landscapers, you know, the full works, masons, you name it. In that same flow, there were also criminals and members of the mega bandas, especially out of Delta Amar um, Amakuro and, and what is happening out of Caracas and, and that migration towards the rural areas and then from the rural areas, they were finding places to go because um, they, they were being closed in. And, and there was a cross-fertilization, and I warned, between the Latin American criminality and the Trinidad criminality and something would start emerging in the middle. So yes... Yes, there are criminal gangs, Venezuelan criminal gangs existing outside there. And they, they are harboring and they are grouping and 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 and, 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 and police and the police officers and the law enforcement is looking at it, uh, maybe not strong enough. I, I'm thankful that the, the, the commissioner is aware that, that, that this, uh, this is happening and he's engaging the intelligence agencies to focus on, on, on that. That is a problem. Uh, when you look at the type of homicides, the use of the machete, cutlass, um, chopping up victims, beheading victims, um, dismemberment, that type of stuff. Those things are a signature of Latin American criminality. And we are starting to see that. So are we, and I'm asking this rhetorically, um, are we now seeing where our local criminals are engaging the services of Venezuelan um, criminals to conduct certain type of crimes on their behalf? Because it's all about the dollar bill. Are they working together or fighting each other or both? Steve, could you mute your mic, please? <laughs> it's me, didn't We do have a call. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, for, thanks for calling. Good morning. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Hearing you. Morning. I, I um, I have, I, I have a problem with the, um, the, the assertion that's that's been made now, and it's often been made that, that the problem we face is one of, uh a big fish that is directing the scenes or big businesses. And um, I, I don't see the data that's been released be supporting that. And I'll tell you why. When you go back and you listen, Paul, to that joint select committee where you would have, uh, I think the SSA would have revealed, um, you know, they did a survey in terms of the number of guns in the country, right? And the interpretation from that was, in my mind, uh, the very definition of confirmation bias. The SSA would have said through the uh, calculation that you gave, and you, you, you kind of put the ball out there, and you said that, you know, you, you did the calculation basically, and it came up to, like, I think about 9,900 9, and something firearms, right, um, that were 
the CA basically in the country. But the, 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 the interpretation of that was that that was a yearly figure. That is to say that the trade is yearly. So there are 10,000 firearms coming into the country every single year. And obviously, if that is the case, then that's a big problem. The, the, the most interesting fact that came out of that particular hearing for me was, you know, how many of these firearms that they have, you know, true ballistics they have seen are repeated, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, that they, they are used multiple times. And that is only 169. The question I will put to you all, the question I, the question I think you should be asking is, how many firearms do you actually need to terrorize the country? How many firearms do we actually need to see the level of violence that we have right now? And the, the answer is not very much, right? And if you, if you don't need that many firearms, then it, it, the scale of the problem is different. Then you don't need to have containers of firearms coming into the country Right to, to 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 replenish these 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 arms and ammunition that supposedly is is being used essentially. If all you need is 169, right? That is that at that scale, that is something that you could occur. You could see you, you could bring it in barrels and so forth. That's a different problem to thinking about, you know, containers, shipping containers coming in and stocked with firearms and it's not being seen. And then you know the question is obviously, well, what are the police doing because you don't see arrests and busts and so forth, right? And I could go into these statistics and I could tell you that you, know, you can look at the, the number of seizures that you make and you could, look at the, you, could, you could look at those seizures, for instance, right? In the same way, you know, the Allied forces, I'm sure maybe Gavin here could, might know of these things, but, you know, like, you know, you, you, could, you, could, they, they, you could look at, like, your seizures, essentially, like if, if you know, and you could, you could say something about the, the, overall, the overall population of illegal firearms just by looking at the number of guns that you pick up on the streets, right? How many tools, how many you, 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 you uncover in multiple singles, and so forth and so forth. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that the, the, the problem, in my mind, came out when, again, in that, that time period when you all had that uh, inquiry into the, the system, when you all were speaking to, uh, I think it was someone in the, um, in the uh, um, customs, right? And... This, was a, this, this, person, this person was in the department that is responsible for choosing um, uh, which, uh, which, which containers needed, to be, um, which containers needed to, be, to be searched. So they made that choice, right? And the question was, well, what could you do to improve upon the decisions? Is there anything that, you know, any sort of technology that you could use? And the person said no, right? There's nothing that he's aware of that can be used. It has to be humans. And obviously that is patently false, right? So they are not those people that are making that, that, that determination, aren't aware of, like, you know, machine learning, you know, the type of things that Mr. Hero was talking about earlier, that, you know, you could use computer systems that you could use to, to detect um, patterns, and, you know, you could look at documentation, and you could cross-reference that with other databases, and you could see, for instance, well, this is something that needs to be flagged, right? And that person, or that person, that person in that department had that particular belief, and they also said that they were understaffed. So that, that, in my mind, is, 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 is the nature of the challenge, right? It's not that we have this sort of a sinister system, you know, this thing where you have, you know, unknown forces that are pulling strings. You don't need to have that, rather, I should say. To have, to, 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 to have the problems that we're seeing, you don't need that many guns, right? And you don't need to have this sort of a systemic, you know, uh, you know like high-level officials and shady corners, you know, talking to people in Mexico and making these kind of big deals. What, I will, what I will say, Derek... Uh, guardedly is that not all the information that came to the Joint Select Committee could be broadcast. And Gavin will know what I'm talking about. So, when I make statements, 
it's very often based on information that I cannot broadcast. Yeah. Um, if I may, though, Derek's points are, are very, very um, applicable because you, it, it shows the it shows the holistic um, sort of um, issue that we are dealing with from all edges, all 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 corners. And um, his comparison of uh, a small amount of weapons as to a large amount of weapons is is very true. It, it's honest because we always talk about a handful of and people have used the word pest. I don't like to use that, but a handful of individuals in a community is has a whole community under under a curfew. Um, you know, and, and we understand that ratio. But, but, but then that that also presumes that criminals or the different level of criminality are sitting down and saying, well, I only need 200 to create this mayhem. And 1990 proved to us that we don't know what they're stockpiling for. We don't know how many are coming to the country. And presuming that you only need a certain number to do what we see now presupposes that there's not a much larger issue because the kind of weapons that are coming in and the stockpiles that some have information that are available that, that are here is a totally different matter what they're using or what you're seeing on the street could be a far cry from what somebody's hiding under a house don't lose the thought of agenda there is an agenda that and is that's why i say that without saying too much correct they, they, they may not need it but that doesn't mean they don't have it correct we, we have the phone lines open. Uh, yeah. You can call and make contributions. And, and as I said, there are several things that the SSA came and displayed to the Joint Select Committee that could not be broadcast it's for national yet. security reasons. Guys, I have until 8 o'clock, so... Um, yeah. Don't expect. Yeah. So, so what do you think is the way forward? I mean, we, the question is... <laughs> I mean, the rate we're going at... I mean, as Richard said, we we so desensitized now that we're gonna the, the, the media are going to identify the five hundred mark, but the people who dead can identify the five hundred mark. And when when you're seeing now they're spraying bullets indiscriminately so indiscriminately like they don't seem to care if a three year old or five year old or nine year old gets killed. It's, it's a different mindset. That's a mindset and a pattern we never saw before in, in, in society, where there was a respect for, for children and, and for women. And, and now we're seeing a blatant disregard. So I would think strongly, um, the commissioner, as he would have said, is to enforce his short, medium, and long-term operational planning. We have we are going into the Christmas. Guys, don't lose it. We are going into the Christmas um, season, which dovetails straight into the carnival season so we are looking at an extension all the way into 2023 and um crime and criminality has a pattern based on seasons to increase so um it should be proactively on the table some planning regarding the possible increase in, in crimes and robberies home invasions a new one that we're seeing a lot um you know those burglaries and breaking so um i'm hoping that there is some sort of strategy regarding the philosophy of how we treat with with that type of policing and um yes the engagement of our defense force is applaudable we are thankful for that and under, understanding the, the the times that they are going through but their support to the civil power aid and support to the civil power is always recognized as a, as, as the national drive um to, to reduce crime in country so um we, we hope and, and and wait to see some sort of solution being applied and i'll be happy to have another conversation at another time probably with a joint panel maybe um to, to offer you know what what we suggest um could be some yeah. some quick weeks. Uh, a low-hanging fruit that might be applicable. All right. Good morning, caller. Yeah, good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask, Captain, uh, the, um, the, in his estimation, and like, what would it take? Like, Steve, can you mentioned your friend who was hijacked outside the gate. Mm -hmm. In what, in what 
what would it take to bring that we could get the response to crime, the police at your doorstep in a certain amount of time? I know, I know the commissioners have spoke about the, the grid system where, you know, people who face in general crime, I call and they re, there's a turn up. What would it take to get the police to that performance state then? And, and then what would it look like and what kind of investment? Do they have to take? Is it longer training? Is it holding the commanders in each area accountable? In, in what way is that? I, I, I always want to know this thing because this lack of confidence that if I call the police, the police will show up in time. Or, or you know, find them down the road. They broke into homes. The fellas drive down the eastern main road. You know, the confidence that people break in to homes now it's just amazing, and I would like to hear from your professional point of view how you okay. see that rolling out. Thanks. All right, buddy. Uh, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm thankful for the question because, but what I would like to do is to is to just rewind your question a little bit to let us not look at the at the police, um, the the response time and 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 their their their. their what I'll call their readiness to get to a, a crime scene. I would like to shift that a little bit as to a deterrent so that crime don't don't um, be committed. Uh, a deterrent so that the, the, the criminal has, has, has two minds into actually committing this crime in this neighborhood, in this residential area. And what is, what is going to um, afford us that sort of comfort um, is the fact that there is a high visibility of law enforcement within the community. Yes, the commissioner has moved assiduously along the lines of the of the of the national grid, of the zones, of having the vehicles engaging with the community and not just passing with their glass up and a flashing blue light. And you know every time when they're going to pass, it's like a it's almost like a rhythm. It it is stopping, engaging, involving. So I know that whole philosophy of policing approach has been on the on the change and and, and, and shifting. And and we're hoping that that will increase that sort of comfort and security uh, for. For our, for our citizens, our society. So um, it's not so much of let's wait till a crime is committed to see how fast we will get to that crime scene. It's to prevent um, that crime from actually being committed by that high visibility and engagement, that comfort patrol. At one time, there was something called the, 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 the um, Community Comfort Patrol, the CCP, and, and, and the, the, the private security network was actually working with the police service and providing that sort of high visibility in certain residential areas, which worked. Um, so, you, you know, you have a model that works. So um, infiltrate now, not infiltrate, sorry, integrate um, two working models and come up with something in the middle. Because we have heard it, and Nicola alluded to it, we have heard it every time a crime is committed and they jumped into a vehicle and sped away or they, or they, or they, or they, or they left um, with a, with a great teeter or, or they, they ran to a waiting vehicle and, and, and drove away. You're always saying that. Where are they? On the streets. So they are driving away from crime scenes on the roads. And the best way is to start clamping that back down with your choke points, with the national grid, with the use of the command centers, with the readiness and the hunting um, attitude of our police officers to utilize all of that to deal with the issues. But I'm saying, let's don't wait to have to deal with the issues. Let's approach it in such a way that we will deter the criminal from thinking of committing a crime or deter the whole aspect of crime by a, an approach of crime reduction holistically. Guys, I've, I've reached um, my yeah, time. Yeah, we, we have reached our time as well. All right. Um, Gavin Hirana, thank you so much for being with us on the Power Breakfast Show on Power 22 Digital. Thank you so much for always being available. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Have all a good right. one. Guys. You too. All the best to you. All right. Let's get into our 8 o'clock news brief. Thank you for choosing Power 22 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.